Jessica. Yes. Happy birthday. Aw, thank you. It is it is your birthday this week. It was my birthday for the last two weeks. <laughs> right. It's your birthday this week. I don't think I only get one week, but you get two. <laughs> well, your birthday's <laughs> at the end of the month. Sure. Mine's at the beginning, so sure. that's just kind of the way these things fall. Oh, I see. Yeah. I don't think we've ever talked about our birthdays on the podcast <laughs> specifically. So I'm like, are people going to believe? It's not that hard to believe that we both have November birthdays, but we just never talked about it before. So should we just like every week alternate birthdays on this podcast, like going forward? (laughs) Sounds like a plan. But it really is your birthday. So I got a big surprise for you. Oh. I called up one of your favorite artists of all time. Oh, wow. Recently announced they're going back on tour. Are you excited? I think as far as I know. Ready? Come on in. It's one of Jessica's favorite singers. Hey there, Jessica. It's me. Your friend, Mikey McD. It's me, Michael McDonald. How are you doing? How are you? Hello, From Mr. the Doobie Brothers. Hello, Mr. McDonald. What? Daniel what, told what an me. Honor. Daniel told me you got one of my favorite. You what? What's your favorite song? So here it is. Never gonna give you up. I think I know my own songs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sadie Hawkins. It's your birthday, Jessica. Sit back. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sadie Hawkins Pod. I'm Danny, and I'm Jess. We don't really do that. We actually do. We we don't just do the we don't we don't do the the name intro thing, right? I feel like we used to. Yeah, if not on this podcast. If you're not if you're not caught up at this point, nerds to you. This is only for the deep heads of Sadie Hawkins Pod. <laughs> So, yes, it is Jessica's birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. We got a lovely plant from our friend Laura sitting on the table. Yeah. It's nice. We got a nice little succulent arrangement. Yep, it reminds me of Taylor Swift. I don't know why. It just does. Don't question it. Okay. If you say so. Um, what is this? Reliable J? You're leaving to go for me for, me for Reliable J where you get to talk about Taylor Swift all you want yep. to Josh. And it is also Thanksgiving, so happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Jessica's birthday does fall on Thanksgiving, like, every couple of years. Yeah. It's just one of those things. And this year, every it's Every of... seven years, give or take a leap year. Right. But every one of your birthdays is a Thanksgiving to me. Aww. I am th- always thankful for you to be around. Well, I'm thankful for everyone who listens to this podcast. <laughs> Let's go around... <laughs> the table and give everything we're thankful for (laughs) and of course we picked the most thanksgiving themed relying case song of all maintain consciousness that's right because after all that turkey you're gonna have trouble maintaining consciousness (laughs) there you go that's a good tie-in so you know the joke during my birthday was like oh i'll pick a song i'll pick a collapsible lung song i didn't really pick that song despite the contention that we had in the second week where I, <laughs> I, I, I swear I did not pick uh, If I Could Take You Home as a joke to do two collapsible lung songs in a row. You I'm absolutely ta- did. I'm talking about 
Lost Boy, I don't feel like I was like, oh, this is for my birthday. It just happened to be my birthday. Yeah. And I was like, let's finally yeah. talk Lost Boy. But Jessica really did pick Maintain Consciousness this week. She really did get that birthday gift. So uh, we don't have any voicemails or anything. But it was we- more like I looked through the list and I had been thinking, you know, we haven't done an mm-hmm song in like a while. And that's because we have very few mm-hmm songs We're left. very, very close to done with Forget and Not Slow Down, mm-hmm, and Collapsible Long. Like we're nearly done. We, each of those albums has like maybe three or two or three songs left for us to do. Makes sense. I would call that the trilogy. No, I was going to say. The biggest no. Ryan K albums. No. So it kind of makes <laughs> sense that we went through those the quickest. <laughs> so uh, no voicemails or anything, but we did have. They're uh, just shorter albums. They are. I guess they are. Are they? Well, Forget Not Slow Down is. Yeah. Especially since we decided to condense all the little interlude tracks into the songs that they kind of belong with. That's right. I want my my 99 cents back for the song Flare. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I'll say it for the third or fourth time. No voicemails. (laughs) But there was some explanation uh, on Twitter about one of the topics last week when we talked about overthinking. Because another goatee record artist called Zilch covered Overthinking for the Goatee 20th Anniversary Compilation. So I posted, does anyone know about Zilch? Because we know Zilch. Get it? I do. So. Good um, one, Dan. So Angry Tortilla on Twitter, who I see around. But uh, if they're also someone else, I apologize. I'm not entirely sure. You're just a username right now. Replied that Zilch Rude was Danny. DC Talks backing band. Zilch oh, was DC Talks okay. backing band. And it says here, pretty sure that Mark Lee Townsend played guitar for them. Oh, yeah. okay. And then Daniel, you can see my socks, replied and said, Ah, oh, man, you beat me to it. I was going to leave a voicemail, but I forgot. But yeah, if you look in the liner notes on the first, I think the first four Reliant K albums in Mark's thank you section... It says Zilch will rise again or Zilch has risen. So Sacrilegious. It was, basically a, it was a Mark Lee Townsend related band, which we did not realize. All right, right. <laughs> I get it. I get it. This isn't this isn't an Easter podcast, though. It's a Thanksgiving podcast. So, yeah. So there's that. So that answers Zilch. We got... Or that's a little too close to the Confederacy for, uh, for my taste. <laughs> oh, I get it. <laughs> it took, I was like, what? And I was like, I got it. The South will rise again. Yes. Zilch will rise again. I went to uh, to preschool and elementary school in the uh, the city, the town that Gone with the Wind is set in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was definitely, South shall rise again was definitely a vibe there. I only watched Gone with the Wind for the first time a couple years ago because I was, I've been slowly working my way through the IMDb Top 250 and now it's on HBO Max with like the little I think it has the little caveat thing of like, you know, this is, you know, the little historical thing to explain, like, uh, just because we're posting this movie doesn't mean we agree with everything. It's just a movie for you to watch. So, but I watched it on DVD. I rented the DVD and I watched it at work. I'm like, this is good background noise. It's not like it's a high energy. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not like it's a high energy movie. Like I It's one of those movies you're supposed to sit and savor and really, you know, take like a Wizard of Oz or a Casablanca. Right. It's a sweeping epic. But the kind of work that I can do, I can like 
look away when I'm like, I get it. I can hear the whole movie. Sure. There's certain types of movies I can do that. Well, I didn't know that, like, the DVD doesn't... Is it two-set DVD? (laughs) And I put in disc two first. (laughs) But there's nothing to tell you. There's absolutely nothing to tell you. Literally, the disc didn't say disc one, disc two. There's no menu screen that says you have placed in disc two. It started with the intermission, didn't it? No. Oh. No, disc one ends with the intermission. And disc two opens on a battlefield of the Civil War. And I'm like, yeah, this seems like the opening of a movie. And they're already like a destitute. So for as far as I knew, like we were going to start here and maybe flash back. Well, in a way that happened because I watched them out of order like a Quentin Tarantino movie. We owned it on VHS when I was a kid because I think it was one of those things that my mom like bought. She's like, oh, this is like a famous movie. We should own this. And we live in the in the city. It's or the town it's set in. So let's let's buy this. And it di- I think it st- the tape one ended with the intermission. And I think tape two picked up with a little thing that said intermission so that continued so that you did not get confused. I'm sure the VHS also said this is part two of the VHS on the outside, which yes. the DVD printing people did not have the clarity of thought. That's very unfortunate. Do. Well, welcome to our HBO Max, Warner Brothers, <laughs> historical fiction film. We discuss all of the. Jessica's got a little thing. On, oh, it's like stuck in your oh, shirt. My, She's got a thread. Are, yeah, the threads. And are I thought I could just pull it off, and then I was about to unwind her sweater. If you and want walk to away. destroy, yeah, <laughs> destroy my T-shirt. There we go. So anyway. If everyone's maintained consciousness through this intro, then I think we'll begin to talk about the song Maintain Consciousness now. We're going to a Leafs game. We're going to a Kings game versus the Leafs today at the Staples Center tonight. So we got to get done with this. Excuse me. It's cryptocurrency.com arena or something like that now. (laughs) Well, is it officially now or is the Staples Center sign still up? We'll have to take a look. I don't know. We'll We'll find out when we we get get there. there. Yep. So maintain consciousness. So I love the instrumentals in this song. I love the guitar solo towards the end. And I love how it seamlessly transitions into this week, the trend. Mm -hmm. In fact, sometimes if I'm not, if I put mm -hmm on as kind of like background noise and I'm not paying super close attention. You can't put mm -hmm on as background noise. (laughs) It is a masterpiece that demands full immersion. (laughs) I'll get confused and think that I'm still listening to Maintain Consciousness after it goes into This Week, The Trend, because it's a very similar, similar vibe. Right. Well, I'm glad you started off with positivity, because for me, as I was listening to the song more and more, and it is a song that I enjoy, certainly, and this is sort of graded on a curve, I feel like this is the lesser song on all of them. Mm-hmm. Wow. I feel like, but on that curve... Sure. There's something about this song that compared to the all lyrics? the other... Well, we'll get into the lyrics in a minute. No, I'm simply talking about the music. There's something about this song that it's kind of like the... Like, it's one of those songs that we talk about once in a while where... And Daniel had talked about it recently where one song on an album kind of encompasses everything that that album is. Well, if there's a negative version of that, I feel like Maintain Consciousness kind of is that. I feel like this song 
kind of contains they all realize of the elements they, and DNA of the whole album. They yeah. realized that by the time you got here, you you were not going to be concentrating anymore. Your ADD right. was going to kick in. So there's something about the song that while it is really good and it is memorable, it's certainly not forgettable. And that's why I'm saying graded on a curve. Because Mm-hmm is a front-to-back kind of record. It's a kind of record yeah. where you don't have to skip any songs. But I would have to think about other albums like that, like, say, Green Day's Dookie. Like, what's... I'd have to think about it for a second. But what's, like, the lesser song by comparison of all the songs on Dookie or the lesser song by comparison of all the songs on Life in General or something like that? So, and I'm sure I could think of some other similar front-to-back album that's not a punk album or a pop-punk album. But do you get what I'm saying? Is yeah. Oh, yeah, there's absolutely. no F-tier songs. There's no D-tier songs to, on mm-hmm. But this is, like, graded on a curve, the lesser. So you'd put it, what, like a songs. B? I guess, like, yeah, I guess it's like a B. I feel like among just songs, like, you just listen to a song, you're like, oh, that's a pretty good, like, among all sort of pop rock, pop punk songs, this is, like, a nice B. But then, like, in the in the canon of mm-hmm, it is like it is like the lowest tier of everything. You know what I mean? So there's no point in giving it an exact letter. It's just the lower to me of every song on the album. So in that way, which, the, you know, whether you admit to agree with me or not, this song is almost <laughs> just like an intro to... <laughs> well, I don't know if you agree with me. I'm just saying whether you agree with everything I just said or not, one thing you said that kind of lends itself to what I'm saying is that you... We'll listen to this song, and then when This Week the Trend starts, you kind of feel like you're still listening to the same song. So in a way... Totally different mood, though, from the Totally lyrics. different mood. But in a way, I feel like Maintain Consciousness, at its worst, or its best of worst, or whatever, it's just an intro to This Week the Trend. Because This Week the Trend is a full banger. It is a full, great, perfect song. Really, it's an, it was, I, to me... This week the trend is one of the S tiers of the song of of, of mm-hmm. sure. But maintain consciousness is just lacking something. It it encapsulates the whole album very well, but in a very bland to me, like a very. And again, this is like too. Uh, I I don't want to be misunderstood because am I understood? Am I misunderstood? I don't want to be misunderstood. I'm not saying that this is a bad song. I just feel like this is the lesser of all the songs combined, and in a way, it just feels to me. Like an intro, like a lead up to the way better song this week, the trend. This is where and I'm only they're talking musically. This is where they're offending you as their friend, and then they're gonna say sorry for it in the <laughs> next song because that's what this week the trend is. I guess. Are you talking? And now you're talking about the lyrics a little bit, yeah. Yeah. So we'll get in. Well, there's. I do have some more to say about the music, like in the way that this encapsulates a lot of the album is like. There is a lot of, there's some density in the production here. Like at the beginning, there's this sort of um, like effect in the background. There's this kind of electronic effect, like a, a some sort of phasing, yeah, some sort of phaser or something. I know what you mean. And I don't know if everyone in streaming nowadays would all, always pick up on it. Because like when I listen to it on my phone's hard drive, I heard it a lot better than say when I listen to it on Spotify. Well, you can hear it pretty good right here. That, mm-hmm. that, I don't know if that's a guitar effect or something, but that's fun. That leaves that going. And then, like, spoons here. There's a lot of weird instruments in this song, too. I'm pretty sure those are spoons. Oh, are they spoons? I thought it was like a... Well... I was going to say, it's not xylophone. We always call it that. 
Glockenspiel. Oh, there we go. But I don't know if that's Glockenspiel because there's no melody. It's just it's just a percussion, and there's and there you know there's there's melody in a Glockenspiel. And it could just be, and it could be anything. It like Savannah. Know. It could be trash can lids for all I know. But sure. I'm just saying that's something along the lines of spoons. And then at the end, there's a gong. The song ends with a gong. So there's a lot of like funny things going on, on here. I also think that some of these drums are programmed. I think some of them might be sort of. Point, Let me see right. Maybe, maybe it's all real drums, but some of the there's a lot of interesting drum fills, a lot of changes, and one of the things that is interesting about the song, although the song as a whole doesn't fully connect to me a hundred percent, but what's interesting about the song is it comes in at less than three minutes, like it's a perfect radio length, and there's a lot going on in the song, not only from the all these funny little like phaser effects in the background and spoons and gongs, but then the song changes up consistently like you there's there's multiple parts in this song fit within two and a half minutes you know what i mean like there there's multiple movements within this one song so and it kind of fits the theme lyrically about being like add and being bored and trying to maintain consciousness and trying to stay alert it's like it's 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 that like funny thing like breakdown like that um sort of practical pun yeah <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean because there are lyrical puns and lyrical wordplay that Tyson uses but then occasionally you get things where the actual song in and of itself the idea of the song is also sort of where is is play is puns and in this way because this song is a like a little add thing it's so short so much happens in it and then suddenly it's over that's why i think it's a great song yeah i I think it's a great conceived song. Just something to me about the melody overall. Hmm. It just feels like an intro to the way better melody song of This Week, The Trend. But yeah, a lot going on in this song. And, you know, I'm not like, I don't think I'm too off base to say that this is the lesser of all the mm mm-hmm songs. Because as far as I could tell, they never played this until mm mm-hmm 10. Huh, interesting. On Setlist FM, which is completely not to be trusted in the early years. There's no recording on Setlist FM of them having played this and no YouTube videos that I found except for mm-hmm 10. And then I found one from 2016 that wasn't recorded on Setlist FM. So that obviously shows like the, the margin of error right there, but they played it at least once on the Switchfoot tour in 2016 and they played it all of mm-hmm 10 and it doesn't seem like they played it a lot other than that. So I do think that this is kind of like, as far as albums that have filler, like albums that are, you know, the, the a couple of good songs and then a bunch of, the artist has to make up a bunch of filler. If this is Reliant Case filler, it's great. Like they make great filler. Like even their filler is an amazingly conceived song. Just to me, it doesn't fully connect musically. Gotcha. Now let's get into the lyrics, because obviously I, I I don't even have a hundred percent of an understanding of exactly everything he's saying in these lyrics, but I know we have talked about it throughout the history of this podcast when we talk about depression and ADD and sort of childhood mental issues and prescription drugs. We come to this song. Now let's kind of really suss out the lyrics and figure out exactly what he's saying here. And if we do have as much of a problem with it as we have always implied. 
So I I do I wonder if they realize like ooh maybe with these lyrics this particular chunk of opening lyrics that's why they don't play it live a lot is because I it is kind of attacking people like I get where they're coming from and I never listened to this song in like a oh they're you I, I kind of thought oh they're using sort of like these these buzzwords as like right. sarcasm. And then I found uh, an interview that we'll play a little bit later where uh, they talk about, you know, prescription drugs and depression and things like that. And I do have a little bit of a problem uh, with what is brought up there. So it does reframe this song for me. Right. So this is a song that I used to really love and have a lot of fun singing along to. But yeah, those opening lyrics, if if you just got rid of some of those like buzzworthy sort of sort of statements. And I don't have confirmation on whether Matt Thiessen or anyone else in this era of Reliant K took ADD or ADHD medication. But I would like to know more about their experience if they did. As someone who took both Ritalin and Adderall growing up, I can say that they have their positives and negatives. And... <clears throat> I don't know that I would call them out in the like hot button way that they do in this song Uh, and that they were in like the media for a while. They were definitely like one of those talking point kind of things. And that's speaking from experience. Anyone, everyone has like an opinion on this particular topic, whether they were affected or not, because it felt like almost every kid in the 90s was being diagnosed with ADD or ADHD. And some of them were misdiagnoses and some weren't. Mm -hmm. And as an adult who still struggles with ADHD and who is starting to really finally learn more about what that means and how it affects different aspects of your life in ways that are only being discovered now because it was one of those things where it was such a big thing in the 90s, but like that's your group of people. We're only just now becoming adults, so they didn't know necessarily how there had been no studies before on how it affected you. Once you became an adult, it was just one of those things where they're like, ah, they just assumed you grew out of it. Right. Well, this song seems to imply that as well. Yes, which I don't like because it's not true. It is a disease. And yeah, it was... You've got more points to make. Let me come back to them after you finish up what you're saying. I was just going to say, you know, and, and... that's really difficult and it is definitely something that was always especially with myself treated that way and definitely like a state of mind that I have had where it's like no no no, I'm done with this like oh I had that as a kid I don't have that anymore I don't need any you know any help or whatever but like I still have it and the more I've read up and like you know watch different sort of like YouTube videos and stuff where they like teach you about it and there are studies on it it's you still have it as an adult and I'm really hard on myself And I'm trying to learn through, like, therapy and stuff not to be quite so hard on myself for still having ADHD as an adult. Because I'm like, no, 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 I'm supposed to do this. And I see how, like, other people who don't have ADHD interact with the world around them and make progress with things and are able to concentrate and things like that, that I I don't have that ability to do so, like, naturally on my own. And there are some days where I wish I was still on something specifically for my ADHD because I'm way more productive when I have something, when I'm on a medication that does target that. I get way more done because otherwise 
I'm just bouncing around from thing to thing. Mm-hmm. I'll start to wash the dishes and then I'll get distracted and be like, ooh, I want to go like write something down. I just had a thought. Let me go write that down. And then I get distracted and I'm like, oh, what's going on over here? Like, oh, let me go make the bed. I forgot to make the bed. Oh, wait, you know what? I like, I'm feeling that coffee from earlier. Let me brush my teeth. Oh, I did, was doing the dishes before. I should probably go finish doing those. And on my way to the dishes, I will get distracted by something else and go do that. Right. So it takes forever for me to get things done. Right. And even Daniel will tell you, the other day in the car, I was talking to him, and I just stopped mid-sentence, and just started looking out the window. I thought she was <laughs> taking a pause to think of how to phrase something, and then she just never, I was like, and what? She's like, huh? <laughs> she literally stopped in the middle of the sentence. And she'd never really done something like that before, so I wasn't prepared for it. But I also like was trying not to like fill in the blanks for her, so I let her what I thought was think about it for a second and then just went the <laughs> the silence went on and on <laughs> and I've had different uh, when I was I went off Adderall in my last year of high school I think because I told my mom that I didn't like how it made me feel um I felt like it was stifling me creatively <laughs> lol um mm-hmm. so she was like yeah okay sure we'll give it a try now, she didn't make me take it on, like, weekends or holidays or over the summer. I only took it when school was a factor. So yeah. I was not on it in other times. So it was like I could be my all-over-the-place self, you know, on the weekends and during the summer and stuff. And so she was like, okay. And after I went off of it, my anxiety ramped up. And I did end up going on something for anxiety after that that also targeted some of my ADHD symptoms and did help bring me down a little bit and and slow me down a little and help me concentrate more. And then eventually I had to go off of that. Mm -hmm. And so that was more recently. And now I'm on something else that does not help that in any way. And so it's been taking me a lot longer to get things done in the past, like, few months. So. Right. What? I got distracted. (laughs) I missed everything you said. I'm just kidding. So, yeah, one thing I was going to say before, and then I wanted to make sure not to derail what you were saying, is, yeah, I want to get into this first verse of the song and how I think it kind of reflects on the things you're saying and to both support what you're saying and maybe examine exactly what uh, Matt Thiessen was writing here lyrically. So I do think it's like a buzzword thing. I do think that like Tyson is in his 20s and he's not he's still generally generationally connected to, you know, the kids that are in the audience. So when you sing about burning blank CDs and things like that, like there's a connection there to the world that they both understand in a song like Vinyl Countdown. But then in a song like this, you're singing about HD ADD and prescription drugs and i think that also hits like you said some some sort of like buzzwords some trigger words and that may make a whole generation of kids who are listening to this music like sort of feel connected to it just hearing those phrases like if i just hear a song and they mention like you know uh video games i'm like oh that song mentioned video games and i like video games or something so that's why your favorite song is video games by lana del rey yeah exactly (laughs) Well, when a song like mentions something that you care about, it kind of like perks you up or something that's in your world, something that is not understood or doesn't represent sort of your point of view. So buzzwords like ADD and prescription drugs will make a generation of 
household, homeschool in a lot of cases, but not necessarily homeschool. A lot of Christian kids, a lot of like secular homeschool kids and a lot of like other sort of like warped tour and not necessarily specific religion, but like, you know, very much ADHD sort of generation of kids feel kind of like, oh, this song is speaking to an issue. Now, if you dig into it, we'll dig into it. But I do think that that was kind of the purpose. From of, a very Gen X from point a, of view. Yeah, from a very Gen X. Like he's just out, but he's also, Tyson is just outside that generation. Still kind of connected to it. It's the same thing I've talked about before with like Mark Hoppus writing, going away to college in his late 20s. Like you, you, it's not a problem for someone in their 20s to write about being in their late, late teens or early 20s. You're still connected to it. Like there's a generation, that uh, another blank reference, there's a generational divide eventually, but certain truths stay closer when you're an older, you know, artist for a while. Like things will stay connected for a while. So just because Tyson's out of school, he's on the road all the time now he's his experience with high school is still pretty similar to the experience of kids who are going to high school only five six seven eight years later it's still pretty similar i'm that so i'm just playing the devil's advocate for where i think except we have the internet he had the internet as well yeah but not to the same extent but whatever so that's where i think he wasn't checking myspace during study hall (laughs) So that's where I think the idea for this sort of first verse maybe kind of comes from. Where it then sort of gets into the issues that you were touching, that you were discussing, and where I definitely agree with you, is in the way that it's used as a buzzword, I don't think it's like, it's it's really okay in the end because ADD is an actual disease and you're afflicted ADHD is is definitely a disease and people are inflicted with are afflicted with it for real and when you take the 90s point of view of it where kids are like falsely diagnosed with it because maybe the kid is just a little distracted but they don't actually have ADD or they're just not interested in school so a counselor or psychiatrist or something like that that the the parents go to label them as ADD because that kind of explains it and then it kind of takes some of the fault off of the teachers and the parents for not keeping their kids engaged that did happen yes right that absolutely happened and there was a similar thing where uh, a couple years ago many years ago 10 years ago where Dennis Leary no relation by the way (laughs) no relation But he got he got in some hot water because he said the basically the same thing. But he rolled sort of false the idea of like false autism prognosis or diagnosis in there, which I'm sure happens, but does not happen to the extent that we're talking about ADD. Right. Like ADD is much more of a sort of it can be a little bit more abstract, perhaps for the world at large to understand. But autism is a little should be easier to actually diagnose and understand right so i don't think that well it's a spectrum so you you have you have two polar opposite ends of that spectrum and you can fall anywhere on there right and you know again i'm sure a lot of people who were misdiagnosed with adhd or were you know were are actually do have adhd also fall somewhere on the spectrum as well and so they just didn't have a name for it yet right and they didn't have a generation they had just identified it so they didn't really know everything to do properly in terms of diagnosis and treatment so this is the generation 
that comes up and Tyson's a part of it, but I'm talking that's the generation of both parents in the two, early 2000s and kids experiencing it in the early 2000s and like, uh, you know, colleges and, and clinics writing about it and studying it where ADD feels like this ethereal abstract disease that's not real. Like a lot of people are getting diagnosed with it, but it doesn't feel real. And everybody feels like they have ADD, right? But they don't. Not literally, not every person has actual ADD, but some people do. So it ends up in this weird place where here in the song, now I'm getting into the lyrics, Because lately it seems to me like we've got the letters ADD branded into our mentality. So there he's equating this actual clinical mental disease to just everybody's feeling ADD. Which is not an accurate way to describe it. No. And the same thing happens with depression. Depression is a real disease. People who have actual clinical depression... It is a disease, and you don't just get better because you got to think happy thoughts. Oh, we're going to get there. Oh, we're going to get there. (laughs) That literally doesn't happen. And anyone who looks at someone who has clinical depression and says, hey, get up and exercise and eat right, and you'll feel better, shut up, because that is absolutely incorrect, right? I feel like ADD is a little bit harder to peg and understand. Like, at the very least, people got to understand that when it comes to actual clinical depression, you are not only not helping, but you're hurting the person by saying, have you tried waking up early in the morning? It's not, there's, clinical depression isn't just sadness and happiness. That's not what clinical depression is. It is the way your brain is wired and the way it just happens. And it's a disease. So there's that. ADD is so much more abstract and hard to lay fingers on. It's just fingers. It's try to hard to lay an understanding on than just clinical depression. So here he's equating like, oh, our whole world is ADD. Like, yeah, in a way, in that way of where it was misunderstood, the disease was misunderstood at the time, but now we understand it better, or we should. Or if you don't understand what we're saying, please try to understand what we're saying. It's an actual disease. It's not just, it's not just a buzzword to toss onto something when we all feel distracted and a little bored. It's actually something more than that. While we're here, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually play this interview. So, well, before you play that, I, one more comparison I want to make is I think that the intention here and the like sort of to to put the label of like it was wrong then and it's wrong now. That's not fair to put on maintain consciousness. Whoa, sorry, <laughs> I was that, I was queuing it up. <laughs> I think th- there has to be a level of understanding f- for for the song. What we're about to play, what you've got here is different. But for the song, there's got to be a level of understanding where this is not meant to hurt anybody and it's not meant to mistreat these concepts, I think, compared to faking my own suicide. We're faking my own suicide just flat out from the outset, even though it's like a fun song, depending on how you look at it. Like, there's no way to, like, totally... You have to have that in the right context. Like, the song, the gaslighting and the hurtful nature outside of the twee atmosphere and the film-inspired basic idea. Like, you, you, you look at Faking My Own Suicide and you're like, that doesn't seem like it was right then. And it's, it's not right now and it wasn't right then. 
maintain consciousness, I'm not criticizing it on the same level. I think the, we, the society still struggles with the idea of understanding depression is a real disease, not just lack of happiness. So of course, ADD is something that people understand even a little, even a little bit less. So let's just, you know, I'm not saying we got to stop listening to maintain consciousness the way we've kind of aren't enjoying faking my own suicide anymore. I can still enjoy maintain consciousness and not feel bad about it the way I do feel bad when I listen to faking my own suicide now. So Jessica, but having said all that, <laughs> Jessica has been sitting on this for a little bit. Yeah, this is something that this was an interview that I found really early into the podcast and kind of made me go, oh, I don't like this. And hey, we have all this positivity around Reliant K. They're back. Reliant K is back. So now let's discuss something a little difficult and unfortunate to discuss. When I picked this song this week, because I was looking through the list and I was like, oh, I don't really want to do any of these songs. And then I picked this one and I was like, Danny, is this okay to do right now? Because we got to touch on this interview. Yeah. And we're all positive about Reliant K and everything. But like, we can put this in the context of, you know. We're also happy they're back, and now we're going to heavily criticize them. <laughs> well, we're going to heavily criticize this one point of view in this one interview, and there is, I feel there's always the caveat and the devil's advocate of, like, this is what they thought then. This is one moment captured in an interview. Like, we can discuss this specific time frame of this specific Reliant K at this actual moment they were interviewed, and I don't feel the need to spread this across all Reliant K up to today because we would need an update to see what they actually believe now. Yeah. So this is an interview from Warp Tour in 2011, I believe, because the YouTube video is from 10 years ago. And it's for Enoch Magazine. I've read in a few interviews that you've struggled with depression in the past and things like that. What advice do you have with kids who struggle with that? Um, I don't know. Don't, I mean, don't... Just go to meds right away. I mean, I've never, I mean, I guess I can't really say that from experience. I've never really been on prescription meds for depression or anything like that. But I see a lot of kids, like really young kids, just like going to that right away. Or their parents saying, like, that's what we need to do. That just freaks me out a little bit. I mean, I don't know. I just like natural things and all that. But, um, I mean, life is a puzzle and a game. And there are ways to pursue things that will make you truly happy. And I think if you're keeping a you know, an intelligent head headspace about you and you're pursuing the, the right things, then depression isn't going to be a problem, you know? Like, my life is awesome and I can't complain about any facet of it whatsoever. I consider myself to be one of the most blessed people that I've ever known. Um, and that's a pretty, you know, that's contentment and I, I don't know, it's a hard thing to, to, come, to come to grips with. Contentment means a lot, you know, and it's not necessarily defined by where you're at or what job you're doing or how much money you have in your pocket or what girl you're dating or what car you're driving or any of that stuff. You know, there are plenty of the richest, most successful people in the world that are just completely unhappy. And it's, uh, you know, it's more about, I think, just finding that contentment in yourself, you know, and in wherever you're at. So I think it's it, how, how, how interesting that they put curl up and die underneath. <laughs> Yeah, the, the don't go on meds. I've never been on meds for depression, but I think you should just just jump up and you know be happy. Just don't don't jump to taking them right away. Yeah, I don't agree with anything they said there. I not a single thing. I think they're doing the thing that I was just ex- saying, 
still, unfortunately, in 2011, they're equating depression with unhappiness. And those are not the same thing. They're not the same thing. It's kind of like we almost need a different word for depression when it comes to clinical depression. Like I know we have the phrase clinical depression, but when we're talking depression, like you can feel depressed and you can feel unhappy, but that's not struggling with depression because especially there they're saying like find the things that make you happy. That's not that's not what we're talking about. No, the <laughs> that's I- not what we're talking about. The idea of just find contentment in yourself and you'll be fine. Lovely idea. If you don't have a chemical imbalance, if you don't have clinical depression, if you are fully capable of that, but that's not everyone's situation. And it is so unfair to chastise someone for seeking help that they desperately need. It's not okay. Right. There are some people that meds are what keep them alive. Mm-hmm. That is what helps balance them out. So to be in the situation that Reliant K is in, to be a public figure, and say things like this, it's not okay. Because when you are a public figure, others look to you for guidance. And it is part of your job to speak with knowledge and understand whatever topic arises or just say that you don't feel comfortable answering the question if you don't have a meaningful answer. Right. Not everyone has the luxury to look within themselves and just be happy. Uh, You know, I understand where they're coming from, but it's clearly a topic that not either of the mats feel confident speaking about. And I mean, the whole interview is a little awkward. Maybe they were having an off day. But when you pair that with this song, that interview with this song, I just if you're going to take a stance on something or not take a stance on something, educate yourself or do a better job of dancing around the topic because there are young impressionable people out there listening and this was a big issue i took with complex infrastructure known as the female mind regardless of how much input the band actually had they put their name on a book with frankly a lot of bad takes directed at young impressionable girls Mm -hmm. when you write songs about being judgy and then feeling bad about it or doing or saying some the wrong thing and then feeling bad about it learn from that and move on with a more enlightened stance I've started saying it like every week. Every time we have a bad Frontisan song, I'm like, dude, just learn from it and move on already. Yeah. You know what? That's like that that that's taking his that's kind of taking the Tison of this interview and his point of view of, hey, find the thing that makes you happy and you'll stop being depressed. Well at the same time, I'm like, hey dude, uh, stop doing the thing where you fuck up your personal relationships and then sing write another song about how you wanna yeah, give back. Clearly on the right you course. can't do that. So how about you don't judge others? For what they have no control over. I completely, yeah, I, I I don't agree with anything that they said there. I understand why they said that. And I, as I was saying, with all of this other stuff about, you know, people not understanding what depression means and people not actually understanding what ADD is, they think it's just a buzzword you can toss onto when you're just feeling distracted. They're equating depression with unhappiness or depression with being ill content and that's not what it is depression is an actual chemical disease in many people's brains that cannot be overcome with like it's not a matter of find the thing that makes you happy because in a lot of cases people find and hoops kind of touched on this in a way but he came at it from a different point of different direction that wasn't what i'm about to say like you could literally find the thing that makes you happy that makes you happy that makes you content you can be content and you can be happy and you're also clinically depressed 
those aren't it cannot be enough it, it can and, yeah. and on a daily basis it can turn and that thing that makes you most happy can make you not happy anymore you cannot have the energy or the desire or the will to do the thing that makes you most happy right because you just don't have the motivation that day because you are just so weighted down and and medication is not some sort of thing that's there and because it's unfortunately it's true but it's like fire fire is a tool that gives us so many good things in the world it it, it 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 kept our ancestors alive it gives us food it gives us warmth uh and once the industrial revolution happens it gives us tools it gives us metals it gives us more materials using fire but you can also light someone's head on fire and kill them like you could you can use fire as a weapon as something you can destroy and you can also use it as something very good and that's what prescription drugs are like if you're over medicated if you have a very bad doctor who misdiagnoses you if you have a psychiatrist who doesn't fully understand or you have uh sort of like more public figures like in school systems and stuff who just want kids to shut up and behave and they miss you know treat connections to uh counselors and stuff and just get kids over medicated yeah Yeah, sure that happens but that doesn't mean that it is the like the drug's fault it doesn't mean it's the tool's fault that the tool was misused i could take a you could take a hammer i don't i don't say i you could take a hammer and bash someone's head in but that doesn't mean that you want to go the all-natural route when you're building a house and just hammer in the nails with your fists from now on and like that doesn't make a lot of sense to me so i do understand that they are doing a thing that a lot of people do and equating depression with unhappiness. I have done that. It really took Jessica explaining her depression and ADHD issues to me for me to understand because sometimes I didn't understand early in our relationship. And now I do understand. And, you know, sometimes I feel depressed right but i don't think i have the kind of clinical depression i've never had a diagnosis, so i don't really know but i know that in times when i have felt incredibly depressed or sad or i feel like i can't shake awful feelings of loved ones i care about being hurt or something i can't shake those feelings i'm afraid to go outside and do the things i love because i'm afraid if i go outside something bad's gonna happen those feelings eventually pass for me But I'm like, what if those feelings literally never pass for someone? What if I love getting up and riding on my bike? That's the thing that makes me the most happy. Being a bicyclist. I don't actually ride a bike. I'm just (laughs) making up something that's outdoorsy, so it's kind of Reliant K related. Bicycle racing. Love bicycle (laughs) racing. But you're clinically, chemically depressed. And you're afraid if you go outside that door, you're going to fall off your bike and crack your skull open. Like, 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 what do you do? That you can't do that thing that Tyson is saying to do here. That's not a one-size-fits-all thing. So, yeah, I don't agree with that interview at all. We still love you, Reliant K. <laughs> so glad about the um tour. And like I said, if they have or haven't changed their point of view on that, who knows? Because Reliant K isn't the kind of band where you get an interview like that all the time. You get, like, one random one once in a while, and then that one answer is locked in forever. So I would like to give the credit to them that hopefully that's not their understanding anymore. This happens in the Christian world all the time, because if like, 
you find footage and I have found footage and I don't want to name who it is specifically, but it's not Reliant K. I'm talking about different Christian band that I love. I found footage where someone from that band is trying to talk about uh, homophobia in the sense of uh, homosexuality is just like any sin. So let's forgive them. Right. And that's not the right point of view on that. But I know for a fact, but I know for a fact that that person I found that footage of back then no longer even believes that they're like, they believe that homosexuality is not a sin and it is not something that keeps you from the, from salvation with the Lord. Right. They have completely changed their point of view, but I found that footage. And if someone else finds that footage in that moment, they'll be like, Oh, that person from that Christian band that's still around today that I always heard is pretty progressive Christian. They actually think this, that sucks. You know, I I guess I don't want to listen to this band anymore. Well, that's not what they believe anymore. I'm just trying to toss all these ideas out there. So I'm hoping that this is not the case. And we've kind of made our, we've we've made our point clear on it. Because man, if you found this interview and you like clipped it, took it out of context and played just that opening bit of Tyson in 2021, that's an anti-vaxxer. That's a heavy (laughs) anti-vaxxer statement right there. And it's like, ooh, you know, and it's not fair to be to necessarily be judged on things you've said in the past. If you have changed your mind, if you have grown and and come to a better understanding, if you have been enlightened, and I certainly hope that that is the case. It took me with a while Reliant to be enlightened K. with yeah. on the concept on the real concept of depression. Absolutely, and that's what we have. We're here. not out here canceling Reliant K. No, we're we're saying that we hope that they have a different stance now. That what they thought then wasn't okay, and that we hope that maybe they would be like, hey, what we said before was not okay and we don't believe that anymore <laughs> it would be funny like we're giving them we're we giving have them that this, option we're we giving have, them the benefit of the we doubt. have this song that has a point of view that, that that depicts a point of view that we don't agree with right but then i i equated that to uh faking my own suicide which also has a thing but that's like a joke that's a satire that's a that's a it's supposed to be silly but then you put it into certain context that it, it you know easily falls into, and you're like, this is pretty messed up. But there's no interview out there where Tyson is like, yeah, it would be so funny if I faked my own suicide, if I made everyone think I was dead, and I manipulated someone. Like he doesn't say that. He's like, no, this is just kind of like based on that feeling that you have, and it's based on this movie that I saw where the guy keeps faking his death to get his mother's attention and love, and she doesn't fall for it, and all this stuff. So, yeah. Uh, it's a thing. <laughs> it's all a thing. Um, but like overall, it's kind of getting back, having said all that, maybe we'll touch back on that here and there. I think we've made our case on all that. But like, I, I also don't think that this song overall, as much as we just discussed all that, I don't think it's necessarily, that's all of the point of the song. I think the point of the song overall is maybe just a matter of like the banalness of being a teenager possibly and kind of like like trying to keep going and like trying to like struggling with boredom and struggling with the confusion of life i think that's the idea and they throw in these buzzwords like add and prescription drugs to kind of flavor that feeling of the time but let's look at more of the lyrics it's uh because it's 17 18 19 routine and here at 23 it's the same old me so he's a he's talking about I was 17, I was 18, I was 19, I was getting out of high school, and I grew up and I left school, and I'm in 23 now, I'm an adult, and I'm out here doing the thing that I want to do and love and worked to do, a thing that not everyone gets to do, 
and I'm 23. I'm so blessed. That's why I'm not depressed. Yeah, that's really not, that's not even relevant. That's completely not relevant. Like, and, and, and like, I'm not even trying to toss away like, like prayer or salvation from that, but just talking about blessing in terms of like, oh, I've got a lot of good things in my life, so I'm not depressed. It's completely irrelevant. Yeah. Like if you even like have... And Hoops did touch on that a little bit. He's like, oh, you know, there's people who have like all the money in the world, but they're still not happy or whatever. I right. think he was coming from more of that, like, you need Jesus or whatever kind but of he's... statement. Although earlier in this same interview... Ah, uh, very awkward. This is this is an this is the interview that I, I we bl- bring up every now and then for this reason and for the fact that early in this interview they're asked about God and they're both like, yeah, if Jesus was real, that's cool. Otherwise, he was a crazy <laughs> dude. And it's like, excuse me, what you're this wh- like backhanded apologetics of, thing? Yeah, what I'm what? what? <laughs> like, a band that has the majority of their songs about God is like, well, you know, yeah, if if he was real, that's great. They're and it's like in well, 2011 so hedging what? their bets on yeah. their beliefs or at least presenting it that way and then later in the interview strongly suggesting that taking a very <laughs> taking prescription like, drugs you know, is conservative a bad idea. Christian whatever <laughs> point of view, like by the way, how how are are the Christian scientists doing out there with the COVID? I don't know how that works. Yeah, how does that work? Do they as do they believe in the else. masks? Do they not believe in the oh, masks? Right. How does that? Well, I'm sure they can't use the vaccine. Well, no, but I actually did not. Do Christian scientists <laughs> I didn't wear masks? know what Christian science was at first. Yeah, it was Jessica not until I know. met Danny. I was like, there's. They always have the cutest looking like bookstore architecture. Like there's one down the road from us and it looks and like they're in every city. Yeah. It looks like like a little a little building you'd see in Colonial Williamsburg. It's adorable. It's this Christian science reading room. And I like thought that was where you went to like learn about where dinosaurs fit into God's plan. And Danny's like, Jessica, that's not what that <laughs> These is. Are different things. I was like, oh, I was like, so if I wandered in there and was like, excuse me, do you have any books on outer space? They would be like, no. <laughs> do you have any books on God's plan with aliens. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, that's not what that means. And then he explained it to me and I was like, oh, I had no idea. Because I was the same boat as you, but I was a little, I was a smaller kid because we'd drive past the Christian science reading room in Massachusetts. And I always wanted to go in there because it looked cool. It looked like they had books. I thought it was yeah. like the Christian bookstore. Yeah. I'm like, can we go to the Christian science reading room? And, you know, we're Protestant, like, technically not well technically literally evangelical but not culturally evangelical as i've kind of figured out and my parents are like no that's like a different thing that's not like that's a different sect of christianity or whatever and i'm like oh and then i'm like what they're like yeah they don't believe in medicine and stuff i'm like oh okay and i still don't and then i learned about it in christian high school more specifically and i've already forgotten all that stuff that i learned if we have any christian science listeners or if you used to be a christian scientist or if you have any friends or family that are let us know because that's so interesting and i would like to know more and would like to know how everybody's doing with the pandemic and everything and then there's like y'all are okay like sometimes with flanders on the simpsons like he's just a general catch-all for all kinds of different christian beliefs right that's as sometimes there's even like randomly there'll be like a catholic thing for him thrown in but there was one time there was like a christian science joke tossed in like todd couldn't take medicine or something it was a throwaway joke and i'm like but i knew i was like oh but that's not all christians (laughs) anyway I, I barely even know what I'm talking about, so who cares? 
Um, yeah, so in that thing, though, where Hoops is talking about, like, people will have all the money and everything they want in the world and they're still not happy. Like, yeah, maybe he's leaning towards the sort of spiritual Christian side of that. But he's also still there equating, like, yeah. you have what you want and you're not happy. Yeah. We're not talking about happiness. No. You shouldn't be talking about happiness in that interview. They're talking about depression. And maybe that's their, if that's their understanding of depression, because that was my understanding of depression, is that depression is just unhappiness, which it is not. But if that's your understanding of it, so it's not their fault that they're speaking of it incorrectly there. You know, especially if the interviewer doesn't even necessarily know. You know what I mean? It's 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 a real it's a real cluster. It's a real cluster F right there. Yeah. Uh, so but that's why I said, you know, just like be like, I don't feel comfortable speaking on this topic and move on but or I, dance but around it they better. Were comfortable. They don't need to dance around it because they don't actually have the understanding of what we're talking about. That clinical depression is not the same as being unhappy or unfulfilled. It has nothing to do with that. They should have restructured the way they spoke and said you know, instead of saying depression, say, like, general unhappiness or unfulfillment. Well, let's reset. (laughs) I still feel like I want to dig into the rest of the lyrics a little bit. All right. And we'll be right back. Thank you very much for listening to Sadie Hawkins Pod. If you want to support us, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And you can also interact with the show by calling our voicemail line, 402-95-SADIE. Check out our Instagram and Twitter, which are both at Sadie Hawkins Pod. There you can see the visuals that we discuss each week, and you can send emails to us at sadiehawkinspod at gmail.com. Also, sadiehawkinspod.com is your one-stop shop for all our social links and to get to our Tee Public store for shirts, mugs, and stickers of all our various logo designs. Treat yourself to a Sadie Hawkins Pod shirt or confuse a loved one by gifting one to them. We would also like to thank our patrons at patreon.com slash sadiehawkinspod, who include Timothy, Daniel, Josh, JR, Eric, Joel, Connor, Michael, Samantha, Jimmy Eat Pod, This Might Be a Podcast, Tucker, David, and Brady. Twice a month, we have bonus episodes, including reviews of the songs from K is for Karaoke, And you can hear our backlog of bonus episodes, including reading through the entire complex infrastructure known as the Female Mind book that Reliant K did or did not write. You'll have to go over there to find out who wrote it. So donate that money today. What you gonna do? You sitting on that money? You got that stimmy check from years ago? (laughs) Send it our way. Send it our way. Send ye our way. Send ye money our way. So you like Reliant K, do you? Well, what about They Might Be Giants? My name is Greg Simpson, and I host a They Might Be Giants fan podcast, and it's called This Might Be a Podcast. This Might Be a Podcast is a song-by-song podcast featuring a different guest every episode from normal fans like you and I, but also I've had guests such as John Darneal of The Mountain Goats, Justin McElroy of My Brother, My Brother and Me, Hutch Harris of The Thermals, Mike Park of Asian Man Records, Franz Nikolai of The Hold Steady, and Danny Weinkoff and Marty Beller of They Might Be Giants, and past drummers Dan Hickey and Brian Doherty. Search for Punk News, or This Might Be a Podcast, on any podcast platform and you will find us. This Might Be a Podcast, brought to you by punknews.org. 
So before we go much further, I thought of one other analogy to this whole discussion that we're having about this Reliant K interview. I was raised in the 90s where dealing with the subjects of racism as they were presented to me through Sesame Street and Nickelodeon specials and all of these things, there's these points of view on teaching kids about, you know, how not to be racist that technically aren't correct anymore. But I was raised to think these are the correct ways to deal with fighting racism. Like, be colorblind. Like, there's a good there's a good idea to being colorblind in some context, but you're not supposed to just be colorblind. You're not supposed to ignore or wipe away or, like, you know, assume that someone's differences are completely meaningless, right? But that's the way I was taught. And this actually came up in our Magnified Pod crossover where we were talking about it for some reason. And I was like, yeah, that's what I believe. But it's not literally what I believe. It's I meant that's what I it was taught to believe as a kid. So when it comes to discussions about race and stuff, I sometimes still have those Nickelodeon PBS ideas of the nineties about how to fight racism in my head, which are not relevant anymore. But if I was, if I was a guy on the warp tour and someone came up to me and asked me for an interview about something and when it comes to race or if it comes to uh, gender issues or, or sexuality or lifestyle or anything like that, you see, like, even using the word lifestyle, like, I, I feel like... I was gonna say, no. Nope. Exactly! <laughs> but I don't even edit that out, because that's the thing. Like, I was raised in the 90s. I right. was. I think the phrase lifestyle is a way to put it, but it's not a way to put it. Nope. But if I'm, if I'm there, having an interview, and I literally think that this is, this is, this is not only not wrong, but this is the correct way to do it. What I'm doing, right, what I'm saying right now is the progressive way to say it, but it, it's not. It, it's progressed further than that. I'm not going to say, oh, I can't speak on this because I don't know enough about it. I think I've been taught correctly. And I start saying it and then Twitter blows up or whatever and says, like, you were totally wrong the way you said this. I can't believe you just equated it to lifestyle. But so you got to there's got to be a point where you're educated to learn that you don't have the right education. So nowadays, when we talk about when we get deeper into race, religion, gender, all these topics, eventually I have to stop because I'm like, I I can't go any further because I don't have the right tool set to understand. And if you don't even have the tool set, if you don't know you're missing the tool set, and I'm just saying all this to not to like apologize for Reliant K on this in this case, but I'm just trying to say where I hope it's hope it's going. Like if this was an interview from two months ago, I'd be a lot more upset than learning this interview from 10 years ago. I hope it's changed since then. I hope that if out there you're listening to this and you have never thought about this, you've never concerned yourself with it, you don't have to concern yourself with it. <laughs> but this is our point of view and this is a lot of people's point of view and this is the way that you talk about it to not actually like hurt people who have actual clinical depression and stuff. Because every it's time like- I hear this interview, <laughs> it gets me really fired up. <laughs> like I get super upset every time I hear this. And it does come up once in a while. And it was like, even just doing my research for this week and having to listen to this interview again, I was like, I know what's coming. So I didn't really think it would get me fired up. And just hearing those opening statements from Tyson, those really cringy points of view, I was like, Ugh, like it got me fired up again. I understand. Um. But really, let's look at the rest of the song <laughs> because it's 17, 18, 19 routine and here at 23, it's the same old me 
and the one thing in the moment that we all happen to like will only very temporarily temporarily kind of break the cycle of the double-edged sword of being lazy and being bored. We just want more and more and more until it's all we can afford. So really this song is about sort of like teenage boredom anxieties and I think teenage boredom anxieties and trying to like break the cycle of feeling what I don't like is the word lazy I don't like that they use the term lazy and bored in there along with ADD yeah because Because that's not not what it is it's not a thing because I've beat myself up for years thinking that I am lazy even though my body is like constantly going, I've beat myself up here saying that I'm lazy because I don't necessarily get things done in an appropriate time or an appropriate order. And I put things off a lot and I, you know, do other things that are not of consequence instead of doing tasks that I need to get done. And you don't so hate consequences. You deal with consequences all the time. (laughs) And I beat myself up and call myself lazy. And that's not fair. It's just, I work in a different way. So I don't like that they put the like, oh, you're just being bored and lazy with your ADD. We're all being bored and lazy with our ADD. Take what's called the, take that section, which is on Genius called the pre-chorus and take that on its own without the connection to verse one, which is funny that it's called verse. Oh, here we go. Okay. I got the rest of the lyrics. The the lyrics weren't loading. Where's verse two? There's not really a verse two. (laughs) Okay. So just take that pre-chorus section of because it's 17, 18, 19 routine, double-edged sword, lazy and being bored. Take that out of context. Put that in its own, put that on its own table and just examine that. This is just a song about kind of like being a teenager and kind of caught in that moment in life where you don't you don't know what's going on like you're supposed to know what's going on because you're almost an adult you're almost at 18 and now you're past 18 and your parents didn't really like your parents still don't treat you like an adult but also they're not giving you the tools to be an adult like you haven't really been shown the way to like take care of yourself necessarily like you know things are confusing this is really just more about that i think this song overall is really just more about that confusing time from when you're leaving childhood into adulthood and you don't feel like you've become an adult. And unfortunately, in the first section of the song, they're using those buzzwords of ADD and prescription drugs. And maybe there's a different context that we're missing, but to toss those in flavors the song in such a way where, yeah, it equates the whole experience of being a lost teenager entering adulthood with this clinical thing that actually needs treatment, which is it, should, it is not. So if you could just cut out those lines about prescription drugs and ADD, I think the whole song overall is just about teenage malaise entering so-called adulthood. Especially now is like the current generation and our generation are actually entering like sort of maturity, like financial maturity and all this kind of stuff much, much later because it's really a problem of the generations that brought us up. Like, this is a relevant song to that issue. I think it's just muddled with this issue of the ADD. He sounds like a boomer. You're being lazy (laughs) and being bored, millennial. But he's calling... Get up and do stuff. I also think the whole point of the song is he's trying to call himself out here. He's trying to call himself out. This is like a time... This is another... Actually, I think this is another time management Tyson song. And if it just didn't have those two things in there, the ADD and the prescription drug thing... 
it wouldn't the message wouldn't be that muddled in context now. I really think this is a time management TSM thing because right here where he says, um, you find that one thing I'm I'm paraphrasing the lyric here. You find that one thing you like that kind of breaks the cycle of the double edged sword of being lazy and being bored. He's saying like most of the time as a teenager, you're lazy and bored because you don't know where am I going in life? You're lazy and you're bored and you find that one thing you like and it breaks up that laziness and that boredom. But then you can't do that all the time and eventually you start to want to do that thing more and more, more and more and more, whether it's writing or sports or whatever, that thing that breaks up the monotony, the thing you like, whether it's the thing you want to do for a living or it's just the thing you love the most, going to concerts, buying music, listening to music, playing video games. He's really just talking about the malaise of exiting high school into adulthood. I mean, he maps it out from 17, 18, 19 routine. And here at 23, it's the same old me. He's like, not only did he, he's like, he's 17, he's 18, he's 19. And then like, screw it. I'm 23. Like, I'm <laughs> like, like, it's like one of those SpongeBob memes where it's like 10 hours later, 10 years later, like suddenly we just leap four years into the future. And he's literally still the same person he was five years ago. And he's bored and he's lazy and he's lost and he doesn't know what to do. I think I mean, that part does speak to me because I'm like, yes, I, you know, I actually my teenage years were not spent being lazy or bored. They were spent doing a lot of things and being completely on task and having like a good routine and being on medication that helped me be me and be my best self versus now. It's more like uh, since 27, it's like here at 34, it's the same old me. Like I've been in the same bad cycle for years now of being what I consider lazy and bored. But it's all just restructuring the way you look at things. Right. So I think that's what this song is actually about. I don't think that this song is actually about depression. And if Tyson in any point said this song is about depression... I think he's not using depression in the correct sense. I not that he, this song is about depression. This song is just about a different this clinical is, issue. Yeah. Well, I'm not even deals sure. It's- with with different men- mentalities, and it's just that you know when you take that interview and you compare it to this song. You're like, oh, you still, you had this point of view back in 2004. It's now 2011. And you're still going on that same exact incorrect mindset. Right. And I'm just, I just want to, I'm just examining. I completely, and I 100% agree with you on that. I'm just examining the song. And I think like, you know, he has that wrong mindset when it comes to depression. He equates depression in interviews outside of music, outside of his music and lyrics. He equates depression with unhappiness and unfulfillment they are not the same thing at all but the song maintain consciousness i think is just about the sort of social disease of exiting high school into the real world it's like ain't it fun by paramore it's like exiting the real world exiting high school into the real world and you're just kind of on your own, but you're also kind of like not, you don't have it figured out because nothing really prepared you. And they school was too busy teaching you like math, calculus and all that ridiculousness. And you didn't actually learn how to balance a checkbook or how to, you know, do, <laughs> take whatever. You didn't learn the, like the real skills you needed to live a life. Like everything that I do in our lives that kind of keeps the boat, the boat 
going, like, you know, paying bills and everything. I learned all that stuff on my own or I learned it directly from my dad. Like school didn't actually teach me practical things that I needed to know for living life. Like even when it came to like getting my car certified, getting like my, my inspection sticker and stuff. When I lived in Massachusetts, like I didn't actually understand that. Like, you know, like someday you, you realize like people who like accidentally don't pay their taxes because no one ever sits them down and says, oh, every year you need to apply and pay your taxes. <laughs> like, like people one day in school, they're like, oh, yeah, and every year you have to pay your taxes. And then like it moves on. That's what this song is about. I think this song is about trying to exit high school into your 20s and realizing that you're still bored and you're confused and what's the thing I like to do and I don't. That's what the song's really about. It is super muddled by that opening with those buzzwords that do what every, everything we've already, we've talked about. We've already gone around and around talking about this, but it's just all confused by that first part. And unfortunately for you, it's really triggering because of that interview. And then you don't want to like even hear you or you're upset with this song over, sorry, I'm putting words in your mouth, but you're upset with this song. I'm just saying strip away those problematic sections of the song. And it's just about the malaise of high school into your twenties. And it's not really about depression he shouldn't be equating this with clinical issues or depression. He should have just written a song about maintaining consciousness, trying to stay awake during the day when suddenly you're 20 and you don't have school to go to and maybe you got a job and what do you do with the rest of your time because your parents aren't making you lunch anymore and school's not making you lunch. It's also like the song Pizza Day by the Aquabats. <laughs> like the end part of that song where he's like, I'm sweaty and lethargic and no one's making lunch for me and i miss the simple days of life this is like a simple days missing the simple days kind of song that's just my interpretation putting away all of that other sort of problematic stuff that we've already talked about i mean do we even need to go over song meanings this week (laughs) (laughs) we are the song we are the song (laughs) this week i mean is there anything very different from what we've already discussed uh, Destination Unknown on November 12th, 2004 said, really corny but catchy, obviously about how kids can never concentrate because C-U-Z of ADD and you could accomplish so much more if you didn't have it. That's right. Sure. But see, like, Absolutely. Kids, all kids don't really pay attention, right? Right. Only like the most gifted kids really pay attention. So that is the problem here. And this this commenter feels the same way because society as a whole, it's not even Tyson's fault. Literally, society as a whole just equates ADD, which is a real disease, with just the feeling of, I don't want to pay attention. No kids want to pay attention, but they don't all have ADD. So you're saying like, you know what else? It's also like that thing of like how people are, we're all saying wild now. Everyone's saying, oh, that's wild. Because mm-hmm. we, we, as a society, we're getting away from using the word crazy wantonly. Because people actually have actual craziness. Like, sorry to put it that way. But people have real psychotic issues. And when we're just tossing around the word crazy, like, oh, the McDonald's machine, ice cream machine was broken again. That's crazy. No, you say that's wild now. It's kind of the same thing. We got it. We're slowly get. We're only catching up on not using the word crazy wantonly anymore. We're let's let's hopefully we'll get to the idea that ADD is not something to toss around when you're just bored and distracted. Allie Burns Out Bright Zero One on December 28th, 2004 said, I think that they might be criticizing how most of the kids in our generation are claiming to have ADD and that they can't concentrate. Uh, It's about how these kids need help to stop giving excuses and own up to their own laziness. I mean, Um, yes and no. You know what I mean? Yes and no. Because 
if some kids, I feel ADD, but they're not actually ADD. But then you and other kids are like, no, I'm actually ADD. Please, please be patient with me. I'm trying. Lauren Blah on May 27, 2005 said, I think you're wrong, except Allie. It's not about people with ADD. It's about our generation, their generation. People find that something... People find that something to focus on and do everything they can to achieve this and then just quit. And we find things that we think we want to focus on, a hobby, a relationship, a place, and then we just quit or give up, whichever comes first, because we're lazy and bored. Every generation is getting lazier and they at the end, we're <laughs> losing interest. We can't listen to this song for more than four reps because we can't take the time to do that. We'll just find something else to focus on. The end in all caps. In a way, I agree with that more than anything else you've read so far. Like, I do think, yeah, there's, I hate the idea of like, oh, every generation gets lazy. But yeah, in a way, it is sort of that thing. Like, as you know, do we work hard enough? Do we try hard enough as a society? Not even concerning ourselves with the people who literally are trying really hard despite chemical imbalances. I'm just saying, like, do teens just kind of get, nihilistic dude or as a generation sort of nihilistic and like i don't really want to try i just want to be famous and be a tiktoker and all that stuff i know i sound like an old man saying that but that is a thing yeah and i think that's that's that is more on that side of what i was kind of mentioning before there's a few more people in the comments who agree with your sort of point of view on it there's other people who say uh other things and oh other things uh let's see this is a long one wade 419 on june 19th 2007 said as someone just now diagnosed with add at 19 i'm conflicted on the nature of the disorder itself at its core add basically denatures the willpower and decision ma- decision making capabilities to chemical reasons as a biomedical engineer, that makes sense to me and appeals to my sense of logic, etc. It gives a tangible reason for difficulty and an obstacle. But this song also speaks to that nagging doubt in the back of my head about the whole thing. And yes, it is bigger than ADD, and it applies to the whole population. ADD is simply an obstacle, just as many other things in our lives are. Obstacles are things that can be avoided, dealt with, and surpassed. The idea is that no matter what the obstacle it is up to us to keep focused on what really matters, to maintain consciousness. Despite the fact that ADD is a chemical obstacle to firing neurons, and despite the fact that doctors have directly told me that it is impossible for me to focus without medication to the same extent that someone without ADD can, I don't buy it. It's not an excuse. No matter what our excuses, <laughs> 100% with them until there. Yep. No matter what our excuses in today's world, it's ultimately our decision on what we do and you who can we walk become. on a broken leg. You can yeah. literally physically walk on a broken leg yeah. and then you walk on it so much that eventually the doctors have to take it off because it gets gang- gangrious. Like you you break your leg out in the middle of the woods. You got to walk on it to get out of the woods if you're going to survive. But you're not going to spend the rest of your life walking on that broken leg. Uh, we have a deviant art this week. It's a guy with his arms folded across his chest and it says ADD and it's, there, it says ADD on his forehead and he it's uh, the lyrics are all in the background. Danny, do you want to describe this? <laughs> <laughs> so there's blue, it's a blue polka dot background with various size of the po- like large polka dots and small polka dots. Maybe those represent all the different thoughts he has in his head. Yep. And he's like a sketched out little guy, full color 
kind of uh, got a collared shirt and some some tight warp tour jeans. Red sweater and over it's just his all kinds of words. Down. And he's got the words eighty the letters ADD written on his forehead. And he looks grumpy and confused. And yep, just lots of words all around him. And oh, those are all the lyrics. Yeah. It's just all the lyrics. But they're all written in different fonts, different colors, I guess, to represent all his sort of scattered thoughts. And this is from Cool-Slayer on September 14th, 2005. Then we have sort of a review um, from ReminiscentPodcast.com on Reliant K's shape-shifting mm-hmm, a record as punk as it is preachy from June 7th, 2020. <laughs> As if falling through the air, Reliant K's fourth album, Mm-hmm, picks up speed as it goes along, rocking faster and faster until it reaches its first objectively existential moment. It comes halfway through track four, I So Hate Consequences. Consequences is preceded by a song that sounds like the guitarist is trying to snap the strings on his acoustic and perhaps rocks harder than any other song on the album. But at the 2.30 mark, it comes to a screeching halt. When I got tired of running from you, Matt Teeson sings, I stopped right there to catch my breath. This piano break is, of course, drowned out by 25 seconds of distorted reprise before bleeding into track five, a minute-long punk adulation called The Only Thing Worse Than Beating a Dead Horse is Betting on One. Fifteen years later, these are the only things I know for sure. Reliant K is a Christian rock band, and Mm Mm-hmm is the group's breakout fourth record. Everything else feels up for debate. Mm Mm-hmm is as punk as it is preachy, a tapestry that never features the same idea twice in a row. I disagree with that. I think it features the exact (laughs) same thing happening over and over and over again. The first half of the album, through track six, My Girl's Ex-Boyfriend, runs about 17 minutes. In those 17 minutes, the band makes just about every sound it can conceivably make, doing so for the most part about as fast as they can. Fifteen years later, I still can't shake the thought that this is a young rock group using speed to will itself out from under the Christian umbrella. I will always stop thinking this at that 2.30 mark of track four, which sounds more like a (laughs) hymn than a rock song. <laughs> and uh, after 15 years oh my gosh we get it. it's been 15 years and 15 years later i find myself asking the same question did him benefit from the fact that it was only vaguely religious and did reliant k do this on purpose one of the f- first things i learned about reliant k was that the band was christian it was somehow an unavoidable piece of information the ba- album's the album's hits, Be My Escape and Who I Am Hates Who I've Been, which doesn't appear on the album until track 10, aren't about God until they are. An insinuation that seems to be handed to every listener as soon as they find out about Reliant K. But mm-hmm isn't a gimmick record. It isn't a punk group disguising itself. It's a punk group transcending itself. It's khaki rock at its best, soaring because of, as in spite of, this practice of never placing two similar ideas next to each other. This most obvious at two points, the two minute mark of which to bury us or the hatchet and the 125 mark of maintain consciousness, where the, a new idea is introduced seamlessly, taking the record in a new and exciting direction. Intentional or not, it worked just about well enough to stop me from trying to figure out why. Interesting. So detailed. <laughs> Then, and you'll have to stop me if you've heard this, but we have an IGN review mm-hmm. of the album mm-hmm. uh, posted January 25th, 2005 and updated on May 19th, 2012 uh, by JR. 
I wonder how many readers read the words Christian and pop punk and immediately X'd out of this window. It's an exotic combination, to be sure, and not many are familiar with outside the likes that, of MXPX. It won't be that exotic when it's literally every GD band on Warp Tour up until they go, that they go out. But when it's done right, the end result is something that sounds just as good, if not better, than the spectacular than the secular offerings of venerable favorites, such as three arbitrary words and random word, random number. I don't really want to think about what I would get it. They're, they're, they're skewering the way punk bands come up with their names. Three random words and a random word and a random number, like oh, gotcha, 182 gotcha. or I Alkaline see. Trio with all two random words, but... I don't really want to think about what would happen if Christian pop punk went wrong, but fortunately, I don't have to. Reliant Case mm-hmm, is a well-conceived. I can definitely sp- show you where Christian <laughs> pop punk goes wrong. There's whole record labels. I'm not, the whole record labels that came around because Tooth and Nail went major. <laughs> Uh, Reliant Case mm-hmm, is a well-conceived, completely satisfying record, as well as a high point of sonic variance and accomplishment. Let's tackle some common reservations people might hold right off the bat. These aren't songs Christian about God. apologetics. <laughs> it's a whole new branch of theology. Uh, these are songs about life. And when God makes an appearance in the life of the songwriter, so does he within the lyrics. He is capitalized. Primarily, mm-hmm, offers songs about failure, forgiveness, redemption, and of course, that's what all fucking Reliant K songs are about. And of course, the trivials of romance. <laughs> Themes of gratefulness for God's grace are interwoven seamlessly throughout the words of contemplative singer Matt Thiessen. More on him later. And the result is a lot further from preaching than you might fear. That Rel- was mean. They said he's a moron? <laughs> See, now we criticize his point of view, but we would never, like, just lash out like that. You know, we're hoping to have discourse. We'd never call him a moron. Jeez. Reliant K is music by Christians. Ban IGN. Not Christianity by musicians. Failure's redemption and the trivials of romance. Oh, no, you say. Not more packaged teenagers. Teenage angst for the razor blade set. Worry not, as fans of the group are aware from previous albums, Reliant K is the Cena? triumphant smile to emo's tear slash eyeshadowed streaked cheeks. See, now, That's not how eyeshadow works. Pause right there. That's another example of what I was talking about, about the misuse and the misunderstanding of the concepts of depression and equating it to the wrong sort of thing that I think the Mats did in that interview. I think society as a whole has done that. And you can't really blame them as long as we don't know that they've rejected they haven't looked at someone trying to tell them otherwise and said no 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 no. i I think i got it right because we have a whole uh pop culture society whatever you want to call it that looked at emo and was like oh yeah that's a wrist slitting music like oh that is so rough and awful to just equate it in that way Especially because... But even some of those artists equated it in that way. I know they did. And glamorized that. And I mean, that's a whole conversation in and of itself of not okayness. I think we've talked about it in the past, but it's like, I kind of hate like the denigration of some of the emo stuff because you know what? It kind of matches up with the whole mislabeling of ADD. Yeah. Some people were just emo because they like, oh, it looks cool and I'll look different and whatever. And some people became emo 
in that mid-2000s way because they literally felt like garbage. And they just they found wanted... The place they it. found the place. They found yeah. the distraction. They found the thing that Matt Teeson is talking about in this song. I'm holding up my phone because it's where the lyrics are. Like that thing that changes the double-edged sword of being lazy and bored. Like dyeing my hair this crazy color and listening to this depressing music actually lifts me up out of my feeling, makes me not feel alone. And uh, a lot of people tell me I look like a clown and that's awful, but I'm being true to myself. And literally society is telling me I look like a clown because I dress like this and act like this and listen like this. And I write on my shoes on my, and all this <laughs> stuff, but whatever. It's an actual expression of de- of sadness and depression and misunderstanding and being misguided and just all this stuff but society as a whole was like oh we can make fun of this emo shit because it's so funny look how funny those teens are being like no they have actual problems they feel misunderstood they feel hurt and they feel lost and then like you're just adding to it just being more of a bully by making fun of it more so same exact same thing with like mislabeling and misconstruing the concepts of ADD or the concepts of depression the minute you hear lines like, it's funny how you find you enjoy your life when you're happy to be alive, you'll be breathing a sigh of re- refreshed relief. Nora's mm-hmm condemned to the presumed restrictions of marketable pop punk. The record has its share of simplistic chord progressions, one of its few moderate shortcomings, but it's not saturated in predictability. And most songs boast their own distinct personalities pianos and stringed instruments are brought into the mix when appropriate and acoustic guitars give the more pious tracks their requisite emotional weight uh, no we matter get it. you know you have a thesaurus <laughs> no matter that sonically varied you will be surprised on several occasions and the disc's generous 50-minute runtime has a respectable number of huh, that was cool moments. In these regards, Reliant K manages to stay a step or two ahead of their engineered for mass consumption contemporaries, which leads us to an issue many Reliant K fans might take with this release. The band may not may have taken too many steps ahead when compared to their whole more whimsical preceding releases. The band displays a consummate maturity this time around imbuing their reflections of life love and god with a lot more chin scratching and a lot less gut busting experiments like mm-hmm always divide a fan base right from the outset but 10 years from now a lot more fans are likely to call it one of reliant k's best than one of their worst Some of the songs are spectacularly flawless victories. Maintain maintain consciousness is so insanely catchy that you'll wish your stereo came with replacement skip back buttons. Be My Escape is an immaculately crafted, dare I say, lovely song that uses something as simple as a single piano key to great effect. Then there's High of 75, a celebration of life and faith that can drag your heart out of the dregs. Let's get back to Matthew Thiessen. This man's singing voice, when it has its chance to really shine, is smooth enough to treat Burns. He quietly and his quietly intoned thanks to God in the sweetly penned I So Hate Consequences is the emotional pinnacle of the record, and it's hard to imagine anyone else trying to pull it off. Thiessen joins guitarist Matthew Hoops, bassist Brian Pittman, and drummer Dave Douglas in 14 tracks of not a single missed note or beat. Nothing is worse Nothing is lost when the band switches gears from the fast-paced punk to the slower acoustic stylings of the more faith-oriented songs. 
And lest any fan fear that the boys of Reliant K, oh, I thought they were going to go boys from Canton there, that the boys of Reliant K have left their easygoing sense of humor and youth at the door, Poppy treats like my girl's ex-boyfriend are there to satisfy. One needn't be a religious person nor a pop-punk fan to get something out of this remarkably well-rounded album. Longtime fans may balk at Reliant K's newfound commitment to adulthood, but then again, Oh, oh, honey, this is not their newfound commitment to adulthood. They're still struggling with that one Uh, but (laughs) until air for free. Uh, But then again, if you like a band when you're 16 years old because they wrote the way you thought at the time, wouldn't it stand to reason that they'd grow with you? Mm -hmm, Manages to be spiritual without being heavy handed, varied, without sounding spastic and clean sounding without coming off as manufactured if you have a taste for pop punk with a little more meat to on the bone reliant k is a reliable choice well i'll have to check that album out they convinced me let's go on down to tower records right now and pick up a copy so the uh the funniest thing about this song (laughs) (laughs) the honestly the 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 sort of the funniest thing about this song is that uh as i was trying to like get to by tossing out those first couple lyrics we have the big problem with it is a song mostly about boredom and about teenage boredom and whatever so it is so apropos that this song heads over whatever what's the phrase like far and away has the most living room and backyard fan music videos ever (laughs) the most bored teenagers on their (laughs) webcam lip syncing the most one girl or one boy alone in the house one day shoots a full music video on a tripod fully edited by themselves the most kids filming themselves out and about on a trip and then edit it together to this song. There are dozens and dozens of these videos. The only other video, the two videos that had more, a, lo- a lot of these were In Love with the 80s and This Week the Trend, which is the next song on the album after this one. But this one has the most full on dozens and dozens of this exact same thing. And the song is about like being a homeschool or, or just like an, a, a latchkey kid and being bored and around the house and here you go but like almost no covers there's really just two and this first one is by kevin mojica who we have seen before and who does a lot of mxpx covers so i see them doing mxpx memes uh online all the time and here is their cover of this week the trend full band version No spoons? No spoons there? That's the best part missing. It's very, uh, what would you call that? Chunky? I don't know. It's a little chunky, yeah. yeah. But I just got distracted. 
Yeah, it's more like a fat wreck demo type of thing. It's like it's fun. It's like a skate punk sort of like band camp. Yeah, got a, got that feeling of more skate punky. Let's hear how he does the uh, sort of bridge section, which we haven't really talked about much. So yeah, it also reminds me there that this is a very NoFX-inspired song, especially since Thiessen had that NoFX sticker on his piano at the mm-hmm. time. I just realized this change-up, this bridge section, is really, really like the decline and later NoFX, or, you know, later 90s, early 2000s NoFX-inspired. That's a change-up that NoFX would do a lot. Someone mentioned on a song, in one of the song meetings that I didn't read out loud, like no effects but they said it wasn't the song it was something like in the end of the song meaning that wasn't actually in the song or something (laughs) and so i chose not to read it out loud but maybe it was just that change up the way that they go into that bridge yeah so here's the only other real cover this is uh the uh by the interlude of rock school i guess that's the name of the band they are called the interlude they're from a rock school 10 years ago uploaded by napperville music I like the lead singer's uh, 2003 Hot Topic pants, the like bigger, like balloon like ones with all the zippers and the chains and stuff. Like the little like circular hook things that go to nothing. And there's a girl in the band. She's got a cool like pork pie hat and she's wearing clothes like Jessica to Warren (laughs) back during. (laughs) (laughs) You wouldn't necessarily have the pork pie hat. No. Actually, oh no, my, during, I gotta go back. actually, no, during, mm-hmm, I wore a lot of skirts with t-shirts. Right. I did not right. wear jeans during that time. Right, I did know that. Thank you. 
that's great. <laughs> I'm not laughing at them, but that's great because they're doing the, they're a rock school. So I'm expecting yeah. it not to go perfectly. And like, they're just like, they're going for it. They're not they stopping. They are. <laughs> And they're all, they're in a bar, and they're all clearly too young to drink. Like, there's a big picture of a beer behind them. Right. And, like, an advertisement, and it's it's adorable. Right. What is it? Reggie's in Chicago, that big bar and record store? Yeah. Yeah, we went to one show there once, and they have two rooms there. And they were doing our School of Rock graduation ceremony in one of the rooms. So I guess you can probably book underage events at a bar maybe during certain times of the day when you're not serving something or you are serving food i don't know or nothing oh speaking of chicago rock venues we watched straight edge uh, oh yeah or whatever <laughs> last night so there's a there's a movie it's on amazon prime right now it's called straight edge kegger and it's a horror it's a punk horror movie very recent very interesting to check out like it actually looks more like a film than i think any like regional sort of horror movie i've seen in a while like it really like the cinematographer the colorist they knew what they were doing the script and the acting aren't always 100 percent there but there's way worse movies and this is actually a pretty good attempt and it's literally like a it's a group of straight edge people are the villains and they just decide to start killing people who drink <laughs> like it's like kind of a ridiculous plot and it's clearly like satirizing the fundamentalism within straight edge and i'm like why did they make and like i'm curious like was this person straight edge and or are they annoyed with straight edge like other people get annoyed with straight edge people and i'm sure that's also a maligned thing and misunderstood just like all this other stuff we've talked about because it's like yeah i'm not gonna do drugs i'm not gonna i don't i'm not gonna smoke i'm not gonna have uh you know casual sex like that's great that that that's great. But then it's like when it gets militant, as yeah. it does in real life, although as far as I know, no one's ever... It actually... If you also <laughs> there are seen, no straight-edge killers out there. <laughs> yeah. It's also like... It's kind of like a reverse green room, or it's like... Um, it's actually a lot like the movie You're Next, because it's about uh, it's about a house seizure murder thing. It's a, And they wear the same kind of animal masks from the movie You're Next. And it's about a house party, and they trap the house party, and they start killing people inside the house party. Interesting movie. Check it out if you... I, I watch any horror... It's way better than Pop Punk Zombies, which we've never talked about on this show, but was just not... It's just not good. It's like the, the punkness of Straight Edge Kegger was authentic. The it really was. Yeah. The, the the show that they go to, like, in the well beginning, shot. like, yeah. I was like... I started laughing because I was like, this looks like all these, like, shows that Danny drags me It's to. more punk than <laughs> SLC Punk 2. <laughs> So that's it for covers, and then we'll just look at a couple of these videos, but I mean, yeah, there's so many. So look, okay, I, I wrote down a couple of, like, the footage music videos and AMVs, so there's, like, a couple of, like, you know, weird stock image things. Someone did a face, a switch, Facebook, I did, there's a thing I did again where I switch <laughs> out nouns, Switchfoot tribute, like a tribute to Switchfoot set to this song. In the description, they do not seem to think it's a Switchfoot song. They just okay. wanted to make a Switchfoot tribute set to Reliant K music. I love that there's also a Jonas Brothers there's tribute. There's two Jonas Brothers Oh tributes. my goodness. And in both cases, I was like, do they think this is a Jonas Brothers song? But I couldn't see that they did or didn't. A RuneScape music video, a tribute to Gurr from Invader Zim, a Lion Witch in the Wardrobe MV, and a sh an MV to the heroes television show all pretty standard but then here's the i called this the bored kids fmv section i had to give it its own <laughs> section this week ready jessica i'm going to yep. scroll 
Oh my goodness, that's a lot. I'm still scrolling. There's so many. There's, Whoa. There are a lot of Board Kid FMVs. I love this one that just says Ghosties. That's probably the most visually interesting one, so let's go right to that one. <laughs> this is uploaded by Only Half oh, Monkey on okay. Twitter. And it is just their grandma's big living room. Yep. Wow, that kitchen. That kitchen is from... Very 70s looking house. Very yeah. 60s, 70s looking house. Th- that kitchen is straight out of 1981. And, and it's... it is just a person in a ghost sheet. It's the little sheet boy it's all little, grown up. I was going to say, it's a little sheet boy. They're doing just little dancing sheet around boy. to the song. There's an electric guitar or maybe a Guitar Hero controller in a, a rocking chair? Right. This house is like a... <laughs> <laughs> this house is set up like a like a studio apartment. Gosh, there's green carpeting. <laughs> there's like hunter green carpeting. And the camera's in here. moving now. We're going around the house a little bit, following. So it's just a ghost. It's a sheet boy. It's a little sheet boy in real life dancing around to this song. Fun. It, it said ghosties. I thought maybe there would be a second ghost joining. No, I think that's the only. Oh, just ghost. the one. Let's see if we get to. Yep, we oh. do get to see the person eventually. So just so you don't have to be afraid that it was a real ghost, Jessica. Oh, thank you. Oh, it's a woman. Oh, it's a girl. It's a teen girl. Woman. Probably teenager. Oh, and then they go into <laughs> this week the trend and they keep dancing. <laughs> and then she backs <laughs> she, she up. She backs up and reaches and behind reaches her to turn, the, to turn, turn the, the thing off. The stereo. That's great. That's funny. Then this is just a promo for a Spanish-speaking band. I couldn't really tell if they're from Mexico or uh, any other Spanish-speaking country. But they're called I-58. And I guess I could look up where, where I-58 is? is, what country that's in. And it's just a promo for this like local teen band set to the song. Nice. Like, just letting you know, we exist. Here's footage of us jamming out to a song that we did not write and are not playing in the video. I-58. I don't know. This is just telling me about the I-58 submarine, the Japanese submarines from World War II, when I Googled it. Here's an adorable thing that I would have done if I had access to these kind of computers at my age. Someone made themselves a little MS Paint-like, you know, uh, film company prom- uh, film company logo. Like the kind of thing that they oh, want to nice. put at the beginning yeah. of their movies one day when they start making films. So Love this it. is CBF Films. The F is shared with the word films. And it's just their little... Cute! Stars and all sorts of stuff. Stars and colors and rainbows and around their CBF Films logo. Which is just a film camera. Yeah. Cute! Okay, so here's John Dyer. This video is very low. Let me see if I can get any more volume out of the Bluetooth. A little bit. So this is John Dyer, D-Y-E-R, with their video, with his video, uh, R-E, like reply, basketball spinning trick. And now the song's just going to play. But here he goes. Look at this. He's in a spinning computer chair. And he is spinning a basketball on, a on top of a pen. Mouth. He's got a pen in his mouth and a basketball on top what? of that while he's spinning in a chair. Oh my so God. it's just a bunch of basketball spinning tricks. Do you know, other than cursed rooms, the one thing that like almost every one of these fan music videos have in common, Guitar Hero controllers in the background. <laughs> You're right. There's always Guitar Hero controllers. <laughs> 
So he just keeps spitting in the chair while he spins the ball on the pen. And it keeps falling, but he keeps it up for longer than I ever and would. And once he, he's in a spinning chair, he spun the, the, he's spinning in a chair while the thing, the basketball spins on a pen in his mouth, which is incredibly impressive. And he's really doing it because when it falls, it falls. Yeah. He's not like, he's not keeping it up for long. That it's, is amazing, John Dyer. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a fitting song for doing videos on a webcam because it's about being lazy and being bored that's great good good stuff so i told jessica about this earlier because we saw some some of those electric unicycles on the road here is just someone practicing some unicycle tricks oh wow oh just bouncing around up on some pallets and going across like a a little tiny board yeah he set up a little board like a tiny little obstacle course just using all these extra pallets that they... Did they steal these from behind a target? <laughs> oh, now they're going up the little board. Let me tell you something about retail and pallets. The blue pallets... <laughs> the blue pallets are property of the shipping companies. Those have to go back. The kind of... The, the more wooden one, the slightly cheaper like wooden ones, mm-hmm. you can throw those in the dumpster. Because those kind of belong to the vendors and to the stores. But don't mess with or steal the blue pallets. The blue pallets are property. I mean, shouldn't they be reusing all of them? They should, but I'm saying the cheaper pallets break apart. And of course, the plastic pallets, of course, those are property as well. Those usually belong to the store. At least that's my experience working at Target. Um, so this one is fun. This kind of This kind of sends us back. Here is Struck by a Truck is the name of the YouTube channel. Oh, no. In all one word. And What is this, a British TV show? Well, these these boys, these two curly-haired boys, we saw them once before with their Hello McFly music oh, video. Yeah. So when we were but babies doing this podcast, <laughs> these are the, this is the, the one of the channels that sort of got our feet wet of checking out all of these fan music videos. And we've seen hundreds more since then. And here we are back with them. Because as far as I can tell, all they did... He's talking. I don't know what he's talking about. All right, guys, that's a wrap. They're doing a little skit to open up their lip sync music video. I don't know what they're doing. But anyway, it's just it was fun to see them again. Oh, wow. A moronic film productions. They made a little superhero man in MS Paint. And they made a spinning newspaper in MS Paint. And now they're just... And they got the one static webcam. It is clearly a webcam at the computer, not a... The one boy's reading a book upside down. It's a dictionary. And the other one popped up and he looks like he's... He's got the bleached top of his head and the (laughs) shaved down black colored side. He's the bad male friend in an early 2000s. In a DreamWorks teen teen comedy. (laughs) Oh, the word distraction just flew across the screen in pink font. And now they're doing a little choreography (laughs) on the screen a little bit. Not highly choreographed, but a little bit. Yeah. Nice. So they're having fun. That was cool to see them again. And you know, honestly, like, uh, you know, if I started playing a lot of these, they would start to all kind of feel the same because it's like three teen girls in the backyard running around lip syncing. You know, two boys and a girl, their sister or something, in the living room and in the kitchen running around lip syncing. And then, like, 14 boys in the backyard in winter running around lip syncing. It's just tons and tons and tons of these. And it's I will 17, share them all 18, online. 19 routine. Yeah. 
17, 18, 19. It's routine with all these kids. Here's a funny name for the channel anyway. This is they call they call their little YouTube act Kids Who Need a Bedtime. <laughs> That's great. And it's uploaded by the YouTube channel Shakester03. Oh, they're actually claiming that they're the band and they're called Kids Who Need a Bedtime. Oh, gotcha. One of them has a pirate head. It's two. It's one 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 girl. I keep saying one, but they're all they're young. One girl. She has and a cloak two boys. on. She has a cloak. He has a. One of them has a pirate hat. The other one just looks mid two thousands. Shaggy hair and a hoodie. This is uploaded fourteen years ago. Oh, we changed to. Everybody blue. has such ornate now green, now red. grandma like living rooms with the frilliest frills everywhere. This is a, this is like they used a TikTok filter before TikTok filters. The words insert subliminal message came across the screen. Lots of like high creativity when you're bored at home. You got a computer, you got a camera, and this is the thing that changes up the double-edged sword for a minute. I was one of these kids, that's why I started laughing. (laughs) Maybe, and this is a very big maybe that will be Patreon content one day. (laughs) Very big maybe of my friends and I doing these little fan music videos none set to reliant k but this one's pretty funny this is the first this is the first uh instance of this i had ever seen this is uploaded by m3gz0r is the youtube channel uh it's the full song and what made this a little different it's super low res it is like a 16 kilobyte video it's super low res but what made this interesting is it's a little kid rocking out edited to footage of Reliant K rocking out. So this is like a little fantasy, like uh, vision board, uh, you know, kind of like imagining themselves rocking out with Reliant K by editing in footage of themselves rocking out in their living room with footage of Reliant K. It's the first time I'd ever seen this. And I was surprised I haven't seen this kind of idea more often. I mean, God knows how many stick figure animations there are hundreds set to Reliant K. But for some reason, this is the first time this like, quite clearly fantasy sort of living concept of editing yourself and rocking with the band. Very, very low res, like I said. Oh, wow, yeah. You almost curse. Oh, they added a fake, like, silent film filter on top of the video. It's So it's extra stuttery. He's studying, and he can't take it anymore, and the little kid gets up and ruffles his hair, and he's like, I'm ready to rock! And here's Reliant K rocking. <laughs> Actually, the footage of Reliant K is sharper than the camera they shot with with the boy and all these like trippy colors yeah the crowd screaming this is from 14 years ago 2007 and he's just fast frame rates with this kid and he's ripping up a notebook he's like no more schoolwork no more books no more teachers dirty looks He's in Reliant K now. And he shows up to the studio. He's like, I got lyrics, guys. No more teachers. No more books. No more. We don't need no education. education. <laughs> so I'll share a lot of this footage. A lot of this foot. That's like about the best that I have to talk about. Ooh, we went to the we'll Pink share. Floyd Laser Spectacular this past weekend. We did. Up in SLO. And that was so much fun. So amazing. Mm-hmm. You get a chance to see it. Do it. Exactly. You should. I'm just looking to make sure. Yeah. Nothing else. 
Nothing else worth talking about. So that is Maintain Consciousness. Yeah, and Pink Floyd Laser Show. Sorry, I just got distracted. <laughs> we still went to see the Pink Floyd Laser Show. It wasn't playing in Los Angeles this year since they're back post-COVID, but it's always a touring show, and we'd never been. Jessica has always wanted to go see a real laser light show set to, like, a classic rock band. Yeah. Laser Floyd, Laser Zeppelin, any of that. Yep. One time we were like, oh, we'll go see. The, uh, years ago, I was like, there's a Laser Gorillas. We'll go. Turned out it was like in Portland or Seattle or something. Yeah, it was in like but Seattle. Their, but their website <laughs> the didn't Center. like their website didn't like properly mention they're in a different state, and somehow I got the advertisement or something. I was, right. Yeah. Anyway, so maintain consciousness. You know, before we started this episode, I'm going to answer my own question. I'm going to present the question to myself and answer it. Do I like the song less, the same, or more than before? Before we started this episode, I was probably going to say less or the same. I'm saying I like it more with the caveat of this song kind of needs some extra context or Mm -hmm. some sort of like um, new examination in the lyrics. I don't think, like I said, it's as problematic as Faking My Own Suicide, where the issues of that song are kind of irredeemable. It's totally up to any listener to decide. I'm not saying don't listen to uh, Faking My Own Suicide because blah, 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 blah. I'm just saying... If you have a problem with faking my own suicide, that problem is irredeemable. I feel like the problem with this song is redeemable if the context can be re-examined in the correct way. So for that and the conversation we had, I'm actually leaning towards liking this song more. Especially since, going into this episode, I was not super captivated by the song, which was not ironic, but literal to the song lyrics. I like it a little less because of the lyrics. I right. used to really love this song. I used to this used to be a total jam. Uh, but after having a little bit more context of sort of the band's point of view on things uh, during that time and later, mm-hmm. I definitely have to say I enjoy it a little bit less now. Well, can you still enjoy it as the intro to this week the trend? I mean, they can they can stand alone. <laughs> Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Jessica. 